You are listening to the Seeking Wild Beauty podcast. My name is Harmony Nixon, and I'm a spiritual teacher and healer. And each week, I will be diving deep into topics about spiritual practices, embodied intuition, sacred creativity, conscious living, and the call of soul, all to help you unearth your deepest truth. So grab your journal and get cozy. Hey, loves. I hope you all are doing well wherever you are. Today's episode, I'm talking to Mary Reynolds Thompson about her new book, A Wild Soul Woman, Five Earth Archetypes to Unleash Your Full Feminine Power. And it's a really great conversation. And this book is amazing and delicious. And it just contains so much medicine for the feminine soul. So a little bit about her is she is an award-winning author, internationally recognized speaker, and a facilitator of poetry therapy. She's a pioneer in the spiritual ecology movement. Her focus is on the transformative power of landscape archetypes and nature metaphors to reveal our true purpose and right relationship with the planet. So stick around, get something cozy to drink, and let's dive right in. So thank you so much, Mary, for being here. I really appreciate it. And you're here to talk about your book, um, A Wild Soul Woman, which is Five Earth Archetypes to Unleash Your Full Feminine Power, which is an amazing book. And like I was telling you right before we began recording, I was literally drooling within the first chapter. It was so delicious and so good. It's just hitting on such a deep soul level. It feels like you're you're in the soul home, if that makes sense. It makes it feel like, oh, you're inside of my home in there, guiding me back to my inner light. That's what it feels like. And it's very, it's just a very beautiful book and you have such a beautiful message to share. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. And um, yeah, so thank you for being here. (laughs) Harmony, thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you so much for the kind words about the book. Um, I've been working, as you know, the book is sort of centered around these five earth archetypes, deserts, as in this case, desert woman and forest woman and ocean and river woman and mountain woman and grassland woman. And I've been working with earth archetypes for many, many years. And in fact, I wrote an earlier book called Reclaiming the Wild Soul, which was based on those archetypes, but they were written, it was written for both men and women. And it's a very, very different book. But then in 2015, I was asked to teach a course on the archetypes for an ecofem organization called Tree Sisters that um, facilitates women leadership and also reforests the tropics. And the question came to mind, well, what would this be like to teach the archetypes just to women? What would be different? And I already know and knew that women's relationship with the earth was different. I mean, we are so entwined through our moon cycles, through the fact that our bellies fill with ancient seas of amniotic fluid when we're pregnant. Through all these things, we are so attuned to the earth. But what about these landscapes? And so teaching this course was a kind of revelation because the very core thing, the very central thing that came out of it was that women cannot find their full feminine power within the system that has suppressed, subdued, and silenced them 
for thousands of years within that patriarchal system. But when we begin to move the conversation out to align with these great earth ancestors, these powerful formations of the earth, we begin an entirely different conversation about what it means for a woman to stand in her fullness and her authenticity. That's powerful. That is so beautiful. And the difference between sharing this with men and women, and then the need that women really have to have something direct towards them. I think that's so beautiful. I find myself connecting to the landscapes as well. And I find that that's something that keeps me at home within myself. It keeps me centered and it keeps me balanced. And so this is right along with what I already feel. And it's packaged in a different way to where it's it gives you a different lens and a different perspective and um, a deeper insight to that. And I like how you said that you're connecting with the land ancestors. Well, do you want to go into your background of what really started you on this journey of sharing this message? You know, there are always so many ways to begin a story. That's what I love about stories. You can begin any way. But, um, and every time I get asked a similar or, or kind of a different beginning comes up. So today, when you ask that question, which I, I love, the one that came to me was that I was lucky enough to get sober 40 years ago, almost 40 years ago. I'm, this month, it'll be 39 years. And I was 27 years old. And I was standing on a stormy day on the Marin Headlands above a churning Pacific Ocean. And I was literally shaking and sweating and detoxing, wondering how I was going to live my life as a sober woman. How could I stay sober? And then I looked at the ocean beneath me and I could see how it was in this incredible turmoil, you know, waves just slamming against these rocks. But then the thought came to me, well, it's in turmoil, but it's incredibly strong. You know, maybe, just maybe, I could be in turmoil, but I could also be strong. And at that moment, I tasted salt in my mouth, and I didn't know if it was the ocean spray or my own tears. And I felt completely at one with that body of water. I felt completely at one. Now, <laughs> like many of us, we have these incredible experiences and then we go, oh, well, that was an experience, right? And we get on with our lives. Yes. But truly, I believe it was that moment that gave me the awareness that I would be okay, that I could really stay sober because I had within me this immensity as well. And though I didn't reflect on it too much, it must have been there in the background. And as I got sober, more and more I turned to nature as my spiritual path, my healer, my confidant. I'm a great believer in talking to grasses and trees and coyote and all manner of beings. And then I had a sort of spiritual awakening. Well, I had not a sort of, I had a spiritual awakening um, in the early 2000s. And it was like, I didn't want to do what I was doing for a living anymore. I was in marketing and advertising, and I didn't want to be part of the consumer society anymore. 
and um, but what to do? And somebody said to me, life coaching, you'd be a great life coach. So I just went, oh, yeah, okay, whatever that is. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> much knew what that was back then. Flung myself into that. Loved it, but it wasn't it. And then I stumbled across poetry therapy. Mm. And that was it for me because I have always been in love with language. And I immediately turned to the nature poets. And the thing about the nature poets, people like Joy Harjo and Mary Oliver and William Stafford and Wendell Berry and so many amazing poets, is though their eye is on outer nature, they always bring you in to inner nature. And that dance between inner and outer nature began to absorb and enthrall me and really became the focus of my work from there on in. Oh, wow. That is, that's a journey. Poetry is something that is very close to my heart as well. And I love being able to express in that way. And I've seen how much healing it has um, with myself and plenty of other people. Poetry is just this amazing walking between worlds. And I just love it so much. When did you write your first book? And then what was the journey like from that one to knowing that this one needed to come out? So my very first book was actually a book called Embrace Your Inner Wild. You will notice that wild is in every single title. <laughs> and it was done with photographer Don Moseman, who was a man who'd spent 30 years in San Quentin prison, which is one of the most high security prisons in the United States. Um, and he took the photographs for the book. When he came out of prison, he said, I am just going to spend my time in the wilds. And that's what he did. And he developed this wildlife photography practice. And so it's my musings with his photography. And then the second book came out in 2014. And that's Reclaiming the Wild Soul. And that's the Earth Archetypes, but in a very different form. And then just you know, a couple of months ago, a wild soul woman came out. So that was a much longer gestation. Um, but it, for me, is, I think, my magnum opus. I, I think this is the book that reaches into every corner of me. I share more of my own story in it. I share the story of women I know, women I admire. Um, it's really a distillation of years and years and years of teaching these earth archetypes and learning and refining um, my thinking and my relationship with them through observing the people I, I teach. You know, I learn so much from every participant in every workshop. So this has been a journey, a real journey getting this book out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What was your writing practice like and how, if you don't mind me getting into that? <laughs> Not at all. Um, my, it's a kind of dreamy space. You know, in the book, I, I talk about Forest Woman and she's the dark womb. She's that place of incubation and spell making. And I just learned something wonderful, which is that storytelling, the word for story originally was spell. Nuh uh. Uh huh. I'm so surprised I didn't know that. I'm like, <laughs> nor did I. Old English for spell. Oh. And that's why gospels, gospel 
is good spell. Oh my gosh, you just blew my mind. I'm surprised. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And that shows so much power into it, you know? Absolutely. And I believe that hugely. Language is magic. Starhawk, amazing pagan witch woman, talks about that. And I quote her in my book. I, I just think she's um, absolutely onto it that language, storytelling, they are spells and magic. So to begin a book, I entered that dark womb incubation meditation, dreamy place. And I sit on my sofa curled up with a big blanket and I have my journal and I have books that I'm reading that are helping me to reflect and to think about um, what it is that I'm ruminating on. Mm -hmm. um, and I read poetry to stir my creative juices. And I read a lot of amazing feminists and eco-feminists for this book, uh, women like Audrey Lord and uh, Adrian Rich and, and many others. And so it's this whole sort of juicy exploration, getting curious, seeing where things are living and leading and not worrying about the writing, just simply putting seeds into the journal you know, that rich, rich broth that is is gathering. And then comes, <laughs> then there's chaos. <laughs> I know that's very well. Yeah, I know that. I think all creative people do. And we are all creative. So we all know that feeling. And that's when you're kind of wandering around in the forest going, oh, there's so many paths and what trail and how do I commit and blah, 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 blah. Um, and that's when I really turned to um, Ocean and River Woman, which is where is the energy? You know, what in all of this has the highest energy for me? And then I begin to start thinking about buckets that I can pour my, my creative energy into and the buckets are the structure of the book. Mm -hmm. So having, you know, it's like a river needs a riverbank and yeah. a book and our words need something to hold them. So I, I kind of really look there. And then in a way, I enter my mountain woman stage and I'm like, okay, this is about manifesting. This is about sitting and getting words down on paper. This is about that commitment to showing up, taking action and working. And for anyone who's had a creative process or particularly even written a book, you know your work isn't over once it's written. Then your baby is out in the world and you have to nurture it and see that it gets into the right hands and the right places and so on and so forth. And I will say in this creative process that the very first archetype we encounter in a wild soul woman is desert woman. So before I even get into that juicy forest, dark womb incubation stage, in Desert Woman, I'm letting go of all the internal natter. You can't do this. It's too hard. You don't have the time. No one will want to read this. This is pointless. You're spending hours and hours. You know, all of that is getting into that still true. This is real. This is authentic. Get rid of everything extraneous. Just get to that still point. Be with yourself and begin this process. So for me, I can really, you know, you can take anything, any creative 
transformational journey through these archetypes. But when I think of my writing in terms of these archetypes, it's, it's really just true for me. I mean, that's how it works for me. Wow. I love that process. That seems like something that I think could help a lot of the creatives here in this community and the audience, because I know like a lot of us stay in that chaos stage, you know, and so seeing how you can go through each one and kind of gather things, that's really beautiful. So thank you for sharing your inside process on that. There is something I do have highlighted in the desert woman section that I do want to read because I feel like it's relative to so many women nowadays. Um, you were talking about um, the, po the point of initiation and you said some women I work with are affronted by me even suggesting that they step back from their usual duties and responsibilities for a while and simply do less. Don't I understand the demands of their lives? Don't I understand that the world is falling apart and we need to go on with it? And I do understand, but this I also know. Nothing will change, not our lives and not this world, unless we have the courage to withdraw and look inward. I feel like that right there speaks to so many people because a lot of people want to develop a deep practice. They want to go within and they want to do the journey and they want to do the work. But that is the thing that always is the very first thing that stops people. They have that wall, you know, when they want to go deeper. And so I think that section being in the very first part is so beautiful because it addresses that thing that most busy moms, wives, you know, just humans, just living life, going and going and going. So what would you say to these women um, if everyone is like, oh, I have such a busy schedule. How am I going to do this? What would you say to them? I would say to them, yes, you do have such a busy schedule. That's the first thing is just to acknowledge that we live in a world that just places immense pressures on us. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes women carry double burdens of not just working in the world, but they still often um, are tasked with more of the domesticated tasks, looking after the elderly, the kids that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, th this isn't to argue the point that we're not really, really busy. It's to say that while you are doing some of the more mindless routine tasks of your day, take a moment to check in with yourself. Take a moment to say a little prayer or a mantra, or just say, what is it I want now? Just start to get a little curious about yourself when you're, you know, vacuuming the floor, washing the dishes, driving to work, whatever it be, is find those little niches, those tiny little spaces that you can do something really productive with, which is to connect in with yourself. Yeah. You know, and once that hunger for connection comes, it's amazing how many more opportunities you will find to connect with yourself. Because a lot of the time we say we're so busy and we are, we're actually really saying, I'm afraid. I'm afraid this was true of me. I mean, here I was crazy alcoholic, done every, you know, slutty thing under the universe <laughs> while drinking. Um, wasn't sure that I could ever like myself, wasn't sure who I was, was so disconnected from who I was as a person. And somebody says to you, well, get quiet and meditate. It's like terror. 
And the metaphor that I use in Desert Woman is the terror of terra nullius, which is another term for the desert for land of nothing. That there is this innate terror that if we actually slow down and spend time with ourselves, we'll encounter that great void. There will be nothing and we will feel nothing. And at first, that may be true. But certainly for me, what I discovered, the longer I could tolerate that tension of nothingness, the more, as in the desert, I could actually see that I was filled with life. I had to pay close attention. But yes, there was that little shrub. That was that movement across the desert floor. Yes, I could sense things burrowed under my feet. So it's a practice not only of claiming those little moments for ourselves, but of managing at times the fear that can arise when we women who are so used to looking after everybody and everything actually begin to turn inward and tend to ourselves. Definitely. I feel like when people gather their power, you know, they're unstoppable in life. You can live life fulfilled no matter what comes your way. Mm. So what would you say is the heart of the message that you want to share through this book? When you wrote it, what was the, the hope that you had? The real hope of my heart is that women will use this book, have an experience of this book, that will allow them to reclaim their wildest, most creative, authentic beings through aligning with the ancient wisdom of the earth. And in the process, we will come together as rewilded women to put our voices, our actions, our thoughts, our ideas into this world so that we can make a fundamental shift to the structure that we are now I think all caged within so you know one is that personal transformation is that we end up knowing who we are in our most fullest bravest wildest form but that we use that in service of the greater good yes for sure. Could you imagine everyone waking up to their truth and like all coming together to heal this world? I feel like that's happening right now. And people like you are bringing that into the community, into the world. And I just think it's really beautiful and powerful. I know I'm always saying everything is beautiful and powerful, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> Two very good words. Two very good words. <laughs> so um, during the process of writing the book, what kind of transformation did you go through just by writing it itself? Because obviously you went through a huge transformation, which made you want to write the book to begin with. But what was your transformation like within during the writing process? So, so many things happened when I was writing this book, one of which was I lost my mother to Alzheimer's and was her sort of sole carer for the last six months of her life. I'm sorry for your um, Thank you. Um, but that was a profound experience to have while in the process of being with this book, which is about the feminine mm -hmm. and reviewing my relationship with my mother. 
um, which is very key, I think, for all of us in terms of reclaiming that feminine. So that was going on. But also, I think, as I reviewed my own story and really just said, okay, I'm just going to lay it out there, right? Um, because I think we write what we need to learn. And essentially, I've fallen into every pitfall you can fall into. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not writing at anybody from this lofty perch. I'm just like mucking around um, in there with you, um, was to feel that vulnerability and to make the deepest of commitments to myself that I would be willing to be open and vulnerable because I truly believe that's where our strength resides. So for me, it was really quite a bit of a bearing of my soul and, but also just a reflection on how this sort of dual journey of staying sober, but then connecting with the earth in this really powerful way, how much I've changed and grown over the years. I mean, not to be shy about that, because sometimes the most vulnerable thing is for us to say, wow, you know, I've grown into a kind of woman that I, I would have dreamed I might grow into. And to say that that's okay, you know, which which is actually the scariest thing because it's easier to tell you I was a an old drunk than it is to say I actually love who I am today. Mm -hmm. And I think going through this process of writing the book and feeling such a deep and tender compassion for how hard it is to be human and how doubly hard it is to be a woman and for those who are people of color and, you know, trans or gay, even harder. And how we are all deeply trying to make sense of this world that we are in. And so this deep sense of compassion just for the, the process of living um, and for myself came in. No, not going to get everything perfect. No, going to make horrible mistakes at times. Um, say stupid things, do stupid things. We all are. But are we trying to do better? And and I just feel this whole, I came out the other end with my heart wide open. I think that's what I would say, just my heart wide open. Um, yeah. I can feel that from you too, as you are talking about that. That is a deep process to go through with your mother and everything and going through all of that. And picking up your book, it does feel like that. You know, you can feel the energy of books when you hold them. Yeah. You know, at least people sensitive, I believe, can. And it does. It is radiating worth and compassion and, you know, that self-loving place so it can flow over into our lives, like you said, and in service. So I think that's really cool that it cracked you open even further. I think that's really cool on the spiritual journey where we go through multiple awakenings, you know, throughout our lives, like tons <laughs> to where it's like, I'm only speaking for myself here because I don't want to speak for anyone else, but it's like when you're writing this book and then you're just like, okay, and you just crack open even more. And then it's like more and more and more. It's almost like, um, I don't know, almost like addicted to the bliss, but not, you know what I mean? Not in a bad way, but like in love with it and in love with the cracking open. I'm in love with that process personally. <laughs> So I love that you say that in love with the cracking open. I've never heard it put that way, but that's a beautiful way to express it. Lovely. Yeah, I me too. 
Not always in the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Definitely in the after. <laughs> but yeah, because the more you crack open, the more you can feel. And of course, and the more heart connected and the more connection you have. And that isn't always easy. You know, it can be heartbreaking too. And it can be many things, but it's real. And it's, and there's something about being with people who have taken that soul journey and being cracked open, that there is just a level of comfort and connection that feels really rich and necessary to me. Yeah, I think I can completely relate to what you're saying, that feeling. It's very true. <laughs> very true. Oh, I wanted to ask this one, which is something that you talked about um, in your book about the shadow wild, which I love that term that gives such a like you were just talking about like a rich feeling to it. Like, I love that term. So what is the biggest wound that you see common within women that you have found with working with people and workshopping or teaching or what's the biggest wound that you find that women have? Well, I want to go back to the term shadow wild, first of all, if I may. Yes. <clears throat> The shadow wild is really the way that if we are not deeply connected to ourselves and to this blessed earth, it leads, it leaves a vacuum inside of us. People in addiction often talk about the black hole. Mm -hmm. And the truth of that is that we will try and fill that hole with anything you can. Shopping, sex, drugs, um, even self-importance, narcissism, all these things because we don't feel enough. So to that core wounding, I think a core wounding of women that I have heard again and again is I don't feel I'm enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not kind enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not caring enough. I'm not enough. When and that you can see how that's related to the whole. Mm -hmm. So we think if we do this and we get that, that somehow we'll be enough. That if we put enough stuff into us, then that enoughness will fill us. But it has to be an inside job. And it's very hard as women because we have been so used to viewing ourselves only in, in regards to what we do for others. You know. And so we can have the kind of um, caretaker, do-gooder archetype working on us too. And we push it and push it. And then we end up exhausted and empty and wondering why the world isn't bestowing us with all those gifts. It's because we don't think we're enough. Um, so I think that is a core wounding of women. And what I want to say to you and everyone listening is my sisters, we are enough. We are so enough. But we need to do a little work to come to realize that sometimes. Yes. What would you say the healing process is to coming home to realizing that? What would be the first step? Well, obviously, besides getting your book, because it pretty <laughs> much guides you into your inner landscapes, which is beautiful. It is. I think one of them, and, and this is true, is to find a model of self-sufficiency. So one of the ones that I write about in the book is the saguaro cactus. You know, it puts out all these spines so it can't, you know, it protects itself. 
and it fills itself with water and it takes care of itself. It knows how to take care of its own needs. So find a, a um, woman you admire. You might know her. You might not know her or a symbol from the natural world that for you represents that sense of autonomy, that sense of being able to take being enough and taking care of one's own needs to a great extent, not needing to be filled by a relationship or anything else. And then begin to get really curious about it and write about it. And then begin to see how maybe that does mirror a part of you, but you've been a little out of touch of that. So maybe you have a little prickliness to you. Maybe you need to develop that a bit more. Maybe you need to hold on to a little bit more of what you have and not including energy and not always give it away. Maybe, maybe, and sort of learn and be in dialogue with that being and let them begin to teach and inform you and also begin to recognize there's a, a, a practice I have is those times when you have taken care of yourself, when you actually you you have, you wouldn't be here breathing, speaking, unless there were many moments in your life where you were more than enough and you met the moment. So begin to start recognizing and celebrating those, especially if you have a bunch of good friends, especially girlfriends, that you can say, you know, I'm really proud. You know, I renegotiated my mortgage. That was amazing. You know, just anything, you know. Because we do take care of, but we don't, we don't celebrate ourselves enough. Yes. I feel like having sisterhood is so important. So, so important for us to really find who we are because we can reflect that back in each other. And so, and I think the celebration thing is something that's missing in our society, especially here in America. I feel like celebrations, especially as an adult, doesn't exist. You know how many women that I know who are like, oh, it's just my birthday. I don't care. I'm like, what? You were born this day. What are you talking about? And I kind of feel in a sense that that kind of response is due to worthlessness, you know, feeling like they're not enough or feeling like that brokenness. So this is going to be really powerful for people to reflect on and to take to their journals and take to their practice. So that's beautiful. So thank you for sharing. Thank um, you. Okay, so I I want to go back to this thing about spells. Yes, please do. Um, for a moment, if I may. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think is really important about working with archetypes and with metaphor. So archetypes really are just patterns of energy. Mm -hmm. So if I say to you, you're a natural born desert woman, which I don't think you are, but if I did, you would understand that you were somebody who needed silence and spaciousness and emptiness and quiet. And you would just understand that. So an archetype is really just an energy pattern that works through our bodies. Metaphors, as we know, are something that stands in for something else. You know, um, a frown like a thundercloud, you know, which is actually a simile, but it's like, you know, we understand it's one thing. The thing about when we're talking about our inner worlds, it's often really, really hard to even begin to talk about how we feel or what we're experiencing internally because we don't have the language for it. Mm -hmm. Well, how are you feeling? Well, I'm okay. So what does that mean? 
<laughs> you know, exactly. fine, fine, um, you know, or even lousy doesn't mean anything. But once you begin to engage metaphor and archetype, you have a language that can give you permission to go deep, deep, deep into what you're experiencing. So if you say to me, for example, you know, I feel like a river undammed, mm -hmm. I can say to you, wow, that sounds incredibly alive. What was what was damning you? And you'd say, well, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd say, and what, what brought that down? And suddenly, instead of just saying to me, I'm stuck and now I'm not stuck, you and I have this delicious language, which is the language of the soul. It's somatic language. Metaphor archetype works in the body. I truly believe if you change a metaphor, you can change your life. Mm -hmm. So archetypes are like metaphors on steroids. You know, they are like, so if you, if you begin to experience these archetypes, they just kind of flood your cellular being and they can literally shift and change the way you approach things. It doesn't mean life gets suddenly all miraculously brilliant overnight, but it does mean that you can face the challenges that come more creatively with better resources, with more ability to trust and acknowledge yourself in the process. So, so to me, working with archetype and metaphor is really essential to doing internal shifting and changing. I find that to be true within myself as well. I, I work with archetypes so much with my practice. Well, I'm a shamanic practitioner. And so I'm always working with archetypal energies. And I feel like it does it. I've never heard it said in that way either to where I don't know, just the way you said it made me understand it differently, which I love. So thank you for sharing that. Because I do work with archetypes and they do like when you work with them or like if I'm embodying Jaguar, you know, like I am knowing how to walk with courage into the unknown with grace and power and I'm not afraid, you know, eye to eye with my inner demons, loving them into light. And so like when I embody the archetype, it shifts and it shifts, like you just said, it shifts you on a cellular level and I feel that happening. And so I really like what you said with that. And um you know, in my personal life, and I'm sure everyone, we all need these reminders. And I feel like your book and these archetypes are reminders because I don't think that um, being spiritually completely awoke is one thing that just lasts forever. I think it's moments, moments in groups of time. Do you know what I mean? Like in the sense of like everything is going to be okay. I feel like those are moments that we have to remind ourselves to come back to through spiritual practice and through the inner journey, because some days we'll be like, oh my gosh, everything sucks. I'm doubting everything. I'm crap and all this stuff, you know, and we'll have those old doubts come up. But when we come back to things like these, these archetypes, you know, I could see how we can use those as reminders of like, no, let me sink into this. I'm desert woman, you know, or I am this, <laughs> and I can really call on the archetype to handle things in a different way. So I just wanted to respond to how you said that and what that brought up in me. Um, yeah, and it's lovely to hear about, I mean, I love just even, you say the word Jaguar, and it changes the space between us. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, it's it's very, very powerful working with these. And, you know, I think one of the great um, tragedies of our modern age is that we have forgotten some of the potency of these very totemic 
um, basic ways of accessing our own power. Yes. And what, what is your, um, what was something in your life that has happened where you really were able to access that power? Like, what is your, well, I don't know, that might be too personal. Like, what's your doorway to accessing your power? Does that, is that an okay question to ask? <laughs> I might be in That's a fine I'm question to ask. Um, you know, as, as you know, from the story of the ocean, that was one of the ways, you know, just that, that deep connection I had with the ocean that allowed me to know that I had the strength to stay sober. I mean, that was one of those moments. Um, but I've been in situations um, where I've been face to face with bears. And I mean, one of the things about, um, you know, in real life, like, <laughs> and that's a pretty, animals? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and there is a sense, I mean, in the moment, it's quite frightening. Um, and then, then afterwards, it's almost as though that energy of that being has shivered its way into your own blood and bones, right? So there's a sense that you carry some of that and, and honoring it. So I've had many experiences because I spend a huge, as much time as I can hiking and out on the trails and all of that. That's my, my thing. So, you know, and when I'm asking oftentimes for wisdom, I'm just walking in that aware state and maybe a red tail hawk will come by or I'll notice a particular tree I hadn't noticed before or something like that. And then I'm like, okay, now you've got my attention. Why is that? What, what, what is it about that reverberation in this moment that is guiding me and everything like so it's that thing about having your attention caught and then being willing to slow down and pay attention to what's happening um so I've had tons of them I mean I'm just so blessed to live in a part of the world where it's really easy to spend a lot of time outdoors yes and where where do you live currently I currently live you know I was born in London but um emigrated here to the States in 1981, hard to believe. And um, I now live in Marin County, California, which is just north of San Francisco. Okay. And kind of a, a hiking mecca. We have redwoods and oceans and the deserts aren't far, the mountains aren't far. It's really, all the landscapes are here, which is one of the really exciting things about living here. Well, that's beautiful. I would love to go hug a redwood tree. I mean, one of my friends were just out that way. And oh, that's probably beautiful yeah. to have all that inspiration nearby. No I wonder know. you got to give us all these landscapes. <laughs> there you go. I'm really, as I said, I'm a, a truly blessed woman. Yeah, that's awesome. So what else do you have to share with us today? Like before we um, wrap up, like, do you have anything else that is really important for you to share or anything that's on your heart? I'm just going to let you. Well, you know, I just had this thought, it popped into my brain that I might, if it would be all right to you to end with Song of a Wild Soul Woman, which yes. begins my book. Yes, of course. So I'll just, this will be it. Song of a Wild Soul Woman. Women are rising, wild, windswept, born of ocean, aflame with light, rooted as trees. We are rising. We are rewilding ourselves, emerging from earth, clad in moss and bark. 
We are unrecognizable except to each other. We move in the shadows of forests and the deep, cool undercurrents of streams. We reach out our arms to the mountains, dare to stand, cracked and dust-walled like deserts. We green ourselves with grasses, root ourselves in moist soil. We are wondrous. We are rising. We are wild. We see each other, feel for each other, hold each other up. Like waves in an ocean, we are a celebration of nature's powers and impulses. We ebb and flow according to our own rhythm. We will not be dictated to. A woman no longer separate from the flesh of earth becomes her, speaks for her, lifts her throat and sings a fire below and stars in her hair. We are granite and grandeur, full-fleshed and woven through with wildflowers. We bloom according to our own ways and whims and wants. False things fall down in our presence. We are pregnant with life. A wild soul woman is a woman of belly and breath and boundlessness. She makes her own way through ancient lands with soft footsteps, lays down fresh tracks. Barriers break apart before her. Instinctively, she moves on fin and wing and prayer. She is the echo of a deeper voice that speaks from the fiery cave. She is molten, flowing, shapeshifter. She listens to the wisdom of stone. She is living proof of a language that banishes all sense of loneliness. The earth warms her, welcomes her, enfolds her. She grows tall amid the fields, greets the wind and the grasses, the soft grace of rainbows. She is firewoman and rainwoman and earth and air with plenty to spare. This is not just my song or your song. This is the song of the earth and the song of every wild soul woman. We are wondrous. We are rising. We are wild. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for letting me. Yes, thank you so much. That was the very first thing that I was reading when I opened this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Harmony, thank you so much. It's been really lovely. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. If you want to connect with Mary, you can find all the links listed below in the show notes and you can find her book link as well. I am sending you all so much love and I will talk to you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to book a healing session with me, you can go to my website at seekingwildbeauty.com. You can connect with me on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Harmony Healings. If you want to support this podcast by becoming a patron, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Harmony Healings. Here you can receive support on your self-healing journey and also join our Story Weaver Circle that I host online every full moon. Here we reweave the stories of our lives, letting go of all the old and embracing the new. I'll connect with you soon. I hope you have a lovely week.